Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, braving life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. Thanks for tuning into the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Lissette. Today's guest is Lynn Bowman. Lynn has been featured at Women's Expos throughout the country. In previous lives, she won national awards as a creative director for Silicon Valley Companies, creative director at E&J Gala Winery, advertising manager at Redken Laboratories, and freelanced for agencies in San Francisco, Los Angeles, and New York. She has also worked as an actress, a makeup artist, a screenwriter, an illustrator, a legal journalist, and a television weather person. Lynn is the author of the best-selling Amazon book, Brownies for Breakfast. She has three grown children, two absolutely perfect grandchildren, and is president of the Pescadero Foundation. She and her husband have a small farm on the coast of Northern California. Lynn, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. We have a lot to talk about. And a thing that I am talking more and more about now, Jeanette, is intermittent fasting. And the more I learn about this at a cellular level, the more exciting I find it is to think about the possibilities. Mitochondria, that's my new thing. <laughs> it's so interesting because our bodies are so plastic. But the thing that I've spent my last few weeks really focused on is cellular biology. Your mitochondria, it's this world world within that we didn't know anything about, didn't understand. And we're just beginning to really understand what goes on with your cells. And the main thing, the takeaway is they change, they adapt. As diabetics, we were always told to just eat all the time, eat small meals, frequent meals. That is no longer the wisdom. It's deciding what you're going to do and then making it a habit because your body will adapt to eating all the time, or it will adapt to eating not frequently. I just want to eat quality. And that's exactly what I'm out there preaching all the time. Carbs are not just carbs. It used to be that we were told to limit your carbs. And people are always saying, well, are you vegan? Are you pescatarian? So I have a new diet, Jeanette, that I'm going to name it now. This is the introduction on your show. Okay. This is the snarky grandma diet. So this means, first of all, sensible, right? You don't need to do anything crazy. And if it means you not having a mess in the kitchen to clean up at night, isn't that a good thing? To me, that's a great thing. If it means not having greasy pans and your whole house smelling like grease, that's a good thing. Because just imagine how what that's doing for your insides too. They don't like grease anymore either. So what I 
do and and what I advise is a plant-based whole food way of eating. But plant-based, that's a pretty pretty big basket. Uh, and whole food, as I interpret it, basically means nothing in a bag or a box. If it's got a label on it, you got to really be careful. And for Pete's sake, you have to read that label from top to bottom and understand what you're reading or don't eat it. And it, we were talking a little earlier about going in the grocery store. There are aisles in the grocery store that you just never, ever want to go in. I never go in big grocery stores unless it's an emergency and somebody I know needs something. And the last time I was in a big Safeway, I was struck by how the whole front of it now is grab and go. That's the latest thing. It's all these plastic containers full of ready to eat meals that I guess you just nuke. And then there you are. Well, danger, danger. So when you walk in and then you go right and where are you? You're in the bakery. That's the first thing that you see. And all the smells, all the sugary stuff, all the little poofy things that take you back to childhood. So that you're starting to go wrong right there. And then next to that is the hot food bar. Oh my goodness. There's the mac and cheese. There's the fried chicken. There's all that stuff. Danger, more danger. And then you, you go around the corner and what's in the next aisle? Booze for two more aisles is all the booze. Now I love a whiskey once in a while. I will drink a glass of wine, but I am here to tell you, we are of an age where one drink every once in a while is all you get, baby. That's it. Because more than that, it isn't a matter of being high or whatever. It's just you're losing cells that you can't afford to lose, basically. So here we are now we're in the grocery store, we've gone to the bakery and we've walked past the hot food deli and we now we're in booze and now we're running into the next aisle. It's like, get me out of here. What is it? ice cream, the whole frozen section. And then you turn the corner and where are you? Cereal. Can't do the cereal at all. Right? No, you can't. I, and I hate to actually be in other people's shopping carts, but it's just sometimes I'll do that. I'll look and I'll like, are you kidding me? You're getting cocoa puffs. I actually did an experiment one time where I went and looked on the aisle and I was determined that if there was a package of granola on that aisle anywhere that didn't have any added sugar in it, I would find it. I was down on my hands and knees in that grubby grocery store floor, the whole aisle. And you already know, I didn't find a thing. There was nothing on that aisle that wasn't full of sugar. Nothing. Do you have a recipe for granola in your book? My dear, I have the best. Actually, it's called World's Best Granola. Humbly, okay? Very humbly. It's divine and you can customize it and it's easy to make. For any of you out there who are whining about the expense of food or food costs going up, it's BS. If you're not in in the kitchen, making your own granola, making your own muffins, making your own food. Don't talk to me about how much food costs because I had my first little supper the other night with guests. This was my husband and I and three friends, five of us. I mean, it was nothing fancy. It was prepared pretty quick. This was not a big deal, but I served a salad, a hearty pasta dish. Everybody loved it. And we had a lovely little Pinot Noir bottle, five of us. And afterwards, I just got to think, about it and went that dinner for five for company cost me 30 bucks. Now, where in the holy blazes can you go and have a decent meal, let alone a really nice one with a lovely little
little earthy Pinot Noir for five, six dollars a piece. People complain about the cost of food, but they spend a lot at, to your point, in drive throughs Yes. And pick up. Yes. Yeah. And they're buying plastic and paper, right? And then they have to deal with that. And then the earth has to deal with that. So I'm just telling you that it's wrong to go to the grocery store and buy all that plastic and all that wrapping and all that crappy food and then whine about the cost of groceries. And you remember when the, when the COVID thing started, there was a big deal about, oh, the shelves in the grocery store are empty. I can't find this and that anything. Well, honey, you were not looking for celery, I can tell, because in the produce department, there was plenty. It was not a problem. I remember that. Folks were just rushing the cereal aisle, the rice aisles. There are problems with rice and nutritionally what it is. I learned that through Dr. Gundry. The one rice that I enjoy eating is basmati, but only the Indian basmati. And one little trick that he shares in the plant paradox is that um, when you cook the rice and refrigerate the rice and then eat it after it's been refrigerated, that rice converts at a slower pace into glucose in your bloodstream. Right now, today, as we record this together, I just had my blood work done and my hemoglobin A1C, if you're over 40, you need to know what your hemoglobin A1C number is, because that's the number that tells you what the average is of your blood glucose in your body. So it gives you a good, fairly accurate idea of what your body is doing over time, not just today, not just your blood glucose reading today, but it's an average over three months. So it's an important number to know. If you're within healthy range, great. You don't need to worry about being tested again anytime soon. But if you're edging up or over into diabetic range and they call it pre-diabetic, well, I I say it's either yiz or yang. And so if you're up there in a, a number range that your doc may be concerned about, then you need to retest and you need to watch it and you need to pay attention. So my hemoglobin A1C at this latest test just came down seven points. If you are type two diabetic and you know what I'm talking about, your eyes are probably getting kind of wide right now like mine. And as my physician said, she said, Lynn, this just does not happen in women your age. As if women my age were supposed to just fall off the edge of the earth somehow. Sorry, not going to do it. I am here to tell you along with other people and with uh, you, Jeanette, that we have enormous control over our bodies. And we have enormous control over the future of our health. And we've got all these little mitochondria in there who also want to live and thrive and they want to adapt to whatever you are doing. And they can. Uh, that In terms of having the control, I remember maybe around 10 years ago, my physician was a little concerned about my cholesterol level. He kind of looked at me and he said, I want you to start a diary of what you're eating. I said, I'm eating well. So I'm doing all these things right. He said, I want you to write everything down. And I did that. And I took my diary back to him. And then he looked at me and he said, okay, this is what I want you to cut out. He said, no more milk, no more cheese. And he had all these things that he didn't want me to eat anymore. And then he, he said, the main thing I want you to do is focus on cruciferous vegetables. I did that grudgingly. And then four weeks later, I go back and, and he d- does the blood test and he sat back in his chair and he looked at me and said, Jeanette, you've got some great genes because from that time to this time, your body has responded extremely well. So you did what he said and you I also- did. You had the good fortune of a physician who knew something about nutrition. One of the very few. <laughs> 
Because most of them would have just given you a statin and called it a day. And I told him, I said, I'm not getting it on any medication, so that's out. Then he said, I see less of you. I said, what do you mean? You call me fat? And he said, no, I'm seeing less of you. Just continue to do what you're doing. And at that time, I was maybe 40 pounds heavier. Which was a lot. It, it was a lot. And, and I made some other changes. And he said, here's the deal. This is the advice that I still follow. And I give it to other people that I talk to. Here's the deal. He says, there are 365 days in a year. If you counted all the days for birthdays, celebrations, and holidays, and things of that nature, and maybe they total 65 days where you have all these celebrations. You have 300 days left to eat like you have some sense. And in my book, I have a, a little thing that says, here's what you do. Here's the operating manual. And it's like 12 steps. And one of them is you never go anywhere hungry. You just don't. You're going to make bad decisions if you're hungry. And two, you always carry food with you. You've always got some nuts or an apple or something with you so that you remain in control so that you are not managed by what somebody throws down at a church potluck because you know it's going to be banana pudding and fried chicken and stuff that you just, you don't even want. But it's hard because we have these associations. We Food is not just food. Food is community and love and family and ritual and all these things. So when we sit at a table with people, we're not just eating. And if you reject the food that you're offered, it's as old as history. This is not a good thing to do. I mean, right? I have to admit, I was at a social event. I decided I was just going to have water. Apparently, I didn't have enough to eat that day. And I could feel it in my body. Luckily, it was at a home that's very close to where I live. I mean, it's in walking distance. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I got to walk my dog. I'll be right back. I came home, ate something, and went back. Went back. <laughs> but I want to talk about your Amazon bestseller, Brownies for Breakfast. I want to talk about that book because I just ordered it. And I want you to know that I have three vegans in my family. I am not a vegan. My mom... And two sisters are vegans. And I'd love to be able to share some recipes because both of my sisters will cook and do cook. The book is not strictly vegan, but I designed it so that if you are a vegan, totally usable. You've got options for a lot of the recipes. If you want to add a little bit of grass-fed beef, go ahead. I personally eat some fish. And so I think it's perfectly fine for vegetarians, for vegans, or for pescatarians, or as I like to say the snarky granny that's what it is it's sensible and just being vegan is not in any way necessarily a healthy way to eat. I don't know about your family members, your sisters, but so many vegans eat all kinds of sugary crap. They eat white flour and a lot of rice and a lot of sugar. And so if you are vegan or vegetarian, please get my book, Brownies for Breakfast, because it's important that you are eating good, solid, whole food. It's especially important for you if you're vegan or if you're vegetarian. Every bite that you take should should be nutritious, should be nourishing you. So it's going to help you quit eating crap, which is what I want you to do. But it's all just kind of basic American. Well, there's a little bit of French in there and there's a little bit of Mexican in there, but it's ordinary food. I'm not a chef, I'm a grandma. So there's a macaroni and cheese recipe that is super healthy, absolutely delicious. You could take it to the potluck. Everybody would be fine with it. Brownies, same thing. I mean, there are a lot of sweets because I love sweets. And for years, 
years, I've been having to make my own because I couldn't eat the sweets that other people were making. So the brownie recipe, for example, is made with nut butter, almond butter. Uh, You can use other nut butters, but I usually use uh, almond butter. Pumpkin, fabulous ingredient. And it has this magic way of doing what flour and oil do in other baking recipes. Really? It's a vegetable. Let me ask you something about the nut butters because I am allergic to almonds. Okay. I don't eat almonds at all, but a lot of recipes call for almond flour or almond butter. Cashews is the same thing. I I don't eat cashews. Okay. What would be a good substitute for a nut butter? (sighs) There are so many out there now. Hmm. And I would have to stop and think what the recipe was because the nut butters give you this rich kind of like in a brownie it's the right texture mm-hmm. and the right depth and it's oily now i'm wondering if an oil would work what are you going to make the brownie walnuts, walnuts are kind of dry i love walnuts but they're kind of dry and i've never seen an actual walnut butter and i wouldn't use peanut butter i'm going to think about it and i'll send you a note later okay okay, okay. <laughs> it's going to be probably a combination because what you need is the oil the fat from the nuts in the recipe so if you're going to replace the nut butter without a nut butter-like substance, then you're going to have to combine the flour and another source of fat. So I'm going to give that some thought. I use almonds because so many people who are allergic to nuts are okay with almonds. I'm allergic to almonds and cashews and macadamians, but I can eat pecans and walnuts. Well, you can make your own butter out of Brazil nuts. That's good to know. Share with, with our audience what got you on this quest or this path that you're on right now. Well, I've been on it a long time because I had gestational diabetes when my kids were born in the 70s, which I didn't even know until my son, my firstborn, came into the world at 10 pounds and I had gained 60 pounds. All of the male doctors attending me didn't occur to them that there might be anything amiss that he was a 10-month baby and only found out after he was born that I was probably gestational diabetic. And so I should watch out for this. And it, it didn't seem to be a problem with my next two pregnancies. I was eating carefully and so on. And then they told me that I would probably become a type 2 diabetic for good when I was in my 40s. And so I should watch out for that. Well, when I hit 40 or so, I started asking to be tested and people would say, well, you're not overweight and you're young and it's not a big deal. Finally got tested and sure enough, my numbers didn't look good. So because I was a single mother of three little ones and because my own mother had died young and she died of a chronic disease. So I had a real close and personal understanding of what chronic disease does to a family. I mean, literally when I was 18, my family vanished. It was gone. My home, my dog, my mom, everything gone. So I was just determined that I wasn't going to go down. I was not going to be sick. I wasn't going to leave those kids. So I, I tried to find out everything I could find out about staying healthy as a type two diabetic. And what I found out was that there wasn't very much out there. And what was out there was kind of on a cellular level, but it wasn't, here's what you eat. Here's what you don't eat. All they would tell us was, you want to watch your carbs and you don't want to eat sugar and you want to eat all the time, small meals. So the good news was that because I took that very 
seriously and I tried hard to eat well, but I ate a lot of meat and vegetables and a small amount of fruit. And I, I didn't eat a lot of potatoes and I didn't eat rice and I, you know, didn't eat uh, a lot of grains. So I stayed in pretty good shape. But then of course, the older you get, the conventional wisdom was, well, this just gets worse and it's chronic and you'll just deteriorate with age. And I didn't like the sound of that. <laughs> and you know what? I think a lot of what saved me was vanity. I, I just was determined, right, that I wasn't going to be that old lady, broken and crooked and, you know, lifeless and depending on other people to spoon feed me and so on. I was just so sure I was going to find a way through. Well, you do. You find a way through for so many things. So I, I just kept finding out more and more and more. And of course, in the last 10, 15 years, particularly all of a sudden nutrition is cool now. Until fairly recently, I mean, you could not find an MD who gave a damn about what you were eating. They would say to you, lose weight, but they didn't know how. And they would say, well, a calorie is a calorie. No, it's not. There was just so much BS out there. And, and yes, this is a sexist thing I'm about to say, but I really think a lot of it was because it was male dominated. The medical profession had an idea that food and feeding people was this sort of inferior function, right? It didn't really matter that much, like having children and raising children and keeping a house. So recently it's become interesting and cool now that we can talk about mitochondria stuff like that. I know that's right. Down to the cellular level, I have to thank some of the the folks that I've been subscribing to, at least to understand gut health and foods that actually serve us better than other foods. And I've been sending that message and sharing that message with a lot of my friends about how to clean up your gut based on certain foods, eating fermented foods, when you can find them that are quality. Interesting you use the words clean up. I think of it as feeding your gut. You know, well, that too. Make your food. gut happy. Yeah, Give yeah. It what it wants. A lot of people don't get that. Yeah. You know, back in the day, if, if the day was 15 or 10 years ago, there were a lot of these cleanses. You know, you go on these cleanses and all this kind of yeah. stuff. And, and none of them really addressed the actual gut health right. portion. They talked about probiotics, but they never talk about prebiotics or postbiotics right. and how you need to feed that good stuff to help you to actually process the other foods that you're eating to its fullest. Of course, you have to eat good food in order to have good things happen. And you're making me think too, this kind of slightly grody, but when I was a child, kids always were constipated all the time. And so moms were always worried about their kids' constipation. And they were feeding us Wonder Bread and bologna for lunch every day, right? And wondering why we were constipated. But that's the whole thing in a nutshell. I do believe that we have a lot of information at our disposal, but we have to um, understand who the trusted sources are. As far as your journey is concerned, you say now your book, it's been on Amazon now for a year. Uh Okay. Mine is on its way. I'll be here tomorrow. Looking forward to it. In other words, when you look at things like how we come together in, in this type of environment that we're in right now and gather together with different foods and conversations, 
and how important it is. I remember in one of your podcasts, you talked about the importance of not eating alone. Yeah. I don't think we're meant to eat alone. I bring this up because people are always talking about paleo and what our ancient ancestors were really meant to do and what our bodies are designed to do and so on. Well, think about it. They were not meant to be eating meat three times a day. I will tell you that for absolute sure because somebody had to chase that meat down and it was hard. So the whole idea of eating meals all day long or three times a day goes right out the window if you just give a few minutes thought to how people really did function a few thousand years ago. But another thing that is for sure is they sought safety in each other. They were not out wandering alone in the woods, right? And sitting down to eat a sandwich under a tree. People are meant to eat together. I mean, our microbiome and our mitochondria and all that stuff wants company. I mean, I spend time alone and there's nothing wrong with spending time alone, but I think anybody who has eaten a pizza in front of Jimmy Kimmel will admit that that is not the healthy way to consume food. Uh, Again, you're making bad decisions when it's just you going, yeah, eat another pizza. It's good. No, it's not. No, no, no. If you're sitting at a table with people using utensils and it slows you down, for one thing, you eat more slowly, you eat more selectively and carefully. Maybe you've got a snarky grandma in your family who's sitting across the table from you going, honey, did you really want that second plate of pancakes? <laughs> It's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you today. I hope that you're not going to be a stranger to the next chapter experience. I will put all of your contact information in the show notes because I know that there will be others especially interested in checking out your book, Brownies for Breakfast. So it's been a pleasure to have you on the next chapter experience. You take care and you'll hear from me real soon. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the next chapter experience. If you have already subscribed, rated and left a review or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations. So until then, keep that fire burning.